0: sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got to cover. And now on with the show. My guest today is Mark Myers. Mark served in the Marines for over eight years and received the Distinguished Medal Award and the Robert A. Met Award for Outstanding Leadership. Today, he's the founder and CEO of Peak Profit Solutions, a financial services company that for over 15 years has helped thousands of business owners permanently reduce their tax bill on average by 50% without replacing their CPAs or financial investment advisors. Thanks so much for joining me today, Mark.
1: Diane, thanks so much. It's really a pleasure to be with
0: you. Looking forward to talking. I, I am too, because... You know that this is one of the subjects that um, people don't want to talk about, but they know they have to talk about. And so, any good news we can give them, that that'll be good,
1: right? Absolutely, taxes are something that people just a lot of times they think that they just have to pay it, and uh, right. they don't pay a lot of te- attention to it. And if you do, um, you could be pleasantly surprised that you could keep a lot more of your money. So that's. Uh, Fun conversation to have with anybody that's uh, in pain when they're writing those tax checks. So (laughs) it'll be fun.
0: Which we are. So, okay. So seriously, how can business owners save money on taxes without spending all of their profit?
1: Great question, Diane. So the first thing we have to do is we have to identify the coupons that are available for them that will reduce their tax liability and I always like when i say coupons yeah. Diane, i am actually speaking about specific tax code for example it might be section code 162 or 281a or you know 831b it really just depends but i always call them coupons so i don't sound so nerdy <laughs> and uh, Now we just look at how many coupons does this individual have that are relevant to them, right? And there's always there's 75,000 plus plus pages of tax code. Interestingly enough, the first 5,000 or so tell you how to pay your taxes and the next 70,000 plus plus give you all kinds of opportunities to pay less. If you just know how to follow the code. So I always say, let's find the coupons. So that's the first step is I have a, a nice little, Um, kind of a consultation call with anybody that's interested. It only takes usually 20 minutes or so for me to identify if they're a a viable client that has a, a number of coupons. And then we say, okay, coupon A, coupon B, coupon C. If you participate in these tax codes this year, this is how much less taxes you'll pay. And this is how much your out of pocket cost will be. And that obviously you want that to be a Delta. That's a nice, savings. So if you can spend $20,000 and get $100,000 of tax savings, that's a pretty good deal, right? So that's what I'm always trying to accomplish for clients.
0: Okay. So, and this is one of these situations, it sounds like where you can stack coupons on top of each other.
1: Absolutely. The more coupons we can put together, the better, but here's the thing. Interestingly enough, sometimes more is not better. Sometimes I'll say, well, you can do five different coupons. But you can o- if you only want to do these two, they're going to give you 90% of the benefit. But if you want to do the extra four coupons or three coupons to get the extra 10% and leave nothing on the table, let's do it, right? So it really is up to the person I'm speaking with.
0: Okay. It, it, I, I got to tell you, I mean, so uh, on a certain level, that sounds pretty understandable, but but then I think, oh, my God, there are so many pages and so many codes. How, how in the world do you figure out which apply to who and what's out there? And it, does anything override it? I mean, it just feels complicated to me. Well, Diane, agree.
1: I love that you brought that up because it is pretty complicated. But that's why... I do what I do to bring the complicated matters and make them simple for those that need them. Cause if you think about it, Amazon, Nike, um, Cardinal Health, Medtronic, I mean, you name it, these large 1000, you know, Fortune 100 companies, they don't pay taxes, or they pay yeah. very little taxes. Why? Because they have sophisticated attorneys, yeah. uh, a number of accountants, not just one, right? Most small to medium-sized business owners have one accountant or a small accounting firm, <laughs> and an advisor or two that helps them with their investing, but they don't have a team that's essentially saying, oh, we know the code and we know how the coupons apply to you or don't apply to you and we can make it turnkey for you. And That's what I do. My business literally, it didn't start out this way, Dan. I was not I didn't initially start out being the tax strategist but i found over the last decade that there's not a lot of people that are focusing intently in this area and i and i wanted to fill that gap so i know and i'm not like a savant tax attorney i'm also not a cpa but i um i'm an explorer and i've looked for these coupons and i find them i do diligence them i have tax attorneys on my team and cpa's on my team that help me do diligence then once I find them. And then of course I put them in my toolbox. So now when I'm speaking to someone that has a tax problem, I'm just saying, Hey, I've got, you know, right now I've got about a dozen different coupons that work really well. And I can just tell them pretty much immediately how many, you know, how many of them that I have available would work for them and how much benefit that would provide them. And I'll help them get, I'll help them coordinate. They don't have to figure it out on their own.
0: All right. So, so going down that road, what financial professionals are like critical to hire? And are there points in a business journey where certain ones are more critical than others?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, obviously having a very good accountant and tax professional tax preparer and a bookkeeper are going to be great on your just organization side. Particularly if you're a business owner. Now, of course, if you're just a high-income ring W-2, then you don't necessarily need that. Um, and then you have a really good financial advisor, right? Those are the two you know. I always call it, if you do an analogy of baseball. You know, you've got your pitcher and your catcher, right? And that's all you. A lot of people need when they're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. But once you start making four hundred and a half a million, and a million, and three million, and ten million, and you know, the up and up and up, and you you know now you don't you need more than a pitcher and a catcher. You need a first baseman and a second baseman, maybe a right fielder. So that's when I come in and say, outside of your CPA and your trusted financial advisor, maybe your insurance guy or girl, now you need to start adding new teammates, and these teammates are essentially um, business strategists or attorneys that work on certain areas of the tax code and bring that benefit to you and your business or you and your Hmm. individual tax situation to help you reduce tax. So I guess, I mean, that's the best. I mean, I can't really tell you who they would be until I know what
0: strategies are needed. Right. Right. I get that. Thank you. That, that makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm glad I asked the question. So, um, all right. So let's talk about cash flow because this, this is, Really, in my opinion, the biggie for small business owners that they really don't necessarily understand cash flow. And so they end up in trouble. So how do we measure it? And will you explain to the listeners why it's so important?
1: Oh, for the business owner, Diane, you know so just as well as I do. It's like it's the lifeline of your business, obviously leads are the first lifeline and then of course the cash flow to service the leads and essentially buy new, you know, however you're marketing and and servicing your clients. But this is really important because when, you know, most tax planning, right? If you don't, most small to medium sized business owners do not treat their tax liability like a, um, like a profit center. And that's what the larger companies do. They're like, okay, we have this tax liability. We need to focus on it because the smaller we can make this tax, the more profit that we have, particularly for our shareholders and our, right. They shift our focus because now if you know, because you're thinking about your tax liability and you're thinking about it like a profit center, you're not just meeting with your CPA, your tax professional in April and saying him, him or her saying, well, how many expenses did you have last year? Or maybe meeting them within in November and saying, well, how much more can you buy? Can you buy this? Cause we can get you a, di- a deduction and i always say never buy something for a dollar just to save 35 to 50 cents depending <laughs> on where you live right that's that makes no sense whatsoever yeah. so so if we start planning in january february march april we can say hey you don't have to pay these taxes that you're accruing like maybe we can reduce your w2 withholdings and also your quarterly estimates why because we can divert those dollars into a, a, a you know alternative Resources that are going to give you significant tax savings, and that's going to give you more cash flow on a month-over-month basis. Particularly if you are, um, you know, reducing that quarterly estimated mated payment because you realize you're not going to need to make it because you're planning ahead as opposed right. to waiting till the end.
0: Okay, uh, so it's really strategic planning consistently, right? That's what it sounds like to me, where where you're always looking at. What are the best opportunities? It sounds to me like there's opportunities in a lot of different ways, not just looking for certain codes and applying them. I mean, that's what it's sounding like to me because with the whole cash flow thing, you know, you're looking at reducing your estimated tax payments. Okay. That's not necessarily right. I mean, that's real time.
1: Is no, the absolutely future? Absolutely, and it really depends. And, and I guess the way I would I would kind of explain it is when we evaluate the you know the needs of the business. I'm assuming we're talking to a business owner. Just know I can yeah. work with high coming high income earning W twos. Like literally, I can still help them as well. But obviously, business owners generally have a little bit more flexibility with how they pay themselves because they generally right. control the, the dollars. Yeah. Um, so they're easier to work with. But um, with that being said, I just identify, okay, these are the coupons, the tax codes that if you were to implement these things, it would give you more cash flow. And some of them don't. Some of them I say they might require some cash for you towards the quarter two or quarter, th- quarter three or quarter four. But if we can save that, do- those dollars, not send them to the tax man mm-hmm. and save them for this opportunity, it would benefit you greatly. And you know, I like to just I'll give you one little, you know, kind of I like the I mean, I can talk about different coupons. I don't mind getting into the weeds. I just don't sometimes it confuses people <laughs> unless we kind of apply it specifically to their situation. But right. for example, there is a tax code that's been around for 50 plus years, and small to medium-sized business owners, if they're not using it right now, they absolutely are missing out. Um, and that is the fact that you can rent your primary dwelling unit, your home to your business and the income that you receive from your business to utilize your home for strategy meetings, business meetings, board of director meetings is not taxable to you up to a certain number of days per year. So if you think about that, if you can create a deduction, because we're always looking for deductions for our business, if we can create a deduction for our business that lowers the net profit, but that expense from the business goes to the business owner's personal bank account and is not taxable. That's a pretty good deal, and we can do that every single month of the year. So we can essentially reduce their W two, um, you know, payment and shift a portion of that W you know that money to them as a rental for using their home for the purpose of strategy meetings or board of director meetings or any type of uh, business growth meetings for their business at their home.
0: That's Very a great example. That yeah. is. Yeah.
1: I love that one. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I call it the chip <laughs> shot. I call it the chip shot because it was uh it was originated in Augusta, Georgia back in the 60s. And if you know anything about Augusta, Georgia, every year, there's a pretty big golf tournament that goes on there. Somebody <laughs> gets a great packet.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that example. it's so weird. Okay, so. Yeah. Just makes you wonder what the government was thinking. So, talk to me about long-term capital gains on the sale of appreciated assets.
1: Oh, I love that question. And you know that up until now, Diane, we've I've been focusing mostly on income, like you know regular income that you earn from your business, whether it be W two or profit above your W two, or K one income or interest on your um, investments. All things that have been taxed at, you know, regular income tax, which we know that can climb all the way up to 37 yeah. percent and the federal levels. And if you're, uh, you know, if you're if you're brave enough to live in the beautiful state of California, which I did for almost 15 years and loved it. Um, but you're paying 13.3 percent state tax at the highest levels there. Wow. So 50 percent of your profit goes to <sighs> the government when you're in California. Um so now we're talking shifting gears and talking about well, what happens. Well, maybe you don't make a million dollars a year or a quarter of a million to half a million dollars a year in regular income, right? Because I can usually help someone, you know, a business owner as low as a couple hundred thousand dollars a year regular income with some smaller coupons. But obviously, the more income you make, the more I can help them. There's a lot more coupons that become yeah. available as the income gets higher. But if we go to saying, hey, somebody might not make a lot of money every year, but they've got an asset that they purchased at the right price a few years ago or was given to them by a family member. And now they're selling it and they're looking at a hefty long term capital gains tax, meaning that, hey, the basis on this thing was maybe 100 grand, but I'm selling it for a million dollars or two million dollars. Or maybe it's a business that they're selling that has no basis or very low and they're selling it for 20 million dollars or 50 million dollars or help business owners that have sold businesses for well over $200 million. Hmm. So um, it doesn't matter. Just note, it's obviously taxes are taxes. So let's just say they have a, and you know, on the federal side, you've got a 20% long-term capital gains tax and anything over 400 and well, it's $500,000 if you're married filing jointly. So now if you have income on that long-term capital gains at $500,000 or more, well, you're paying 20% on that federal. And you might be paying, depending on the type of asset it is, you're probably paying the net income investment tax or net investment income tax, which is 3.8%. That's 23.8%. And then if you're in any state that has a state tax like North Carolina or Georgia, or I mean, basically most of them, except Nevada and Florida and Washington and Wyoming, um, well, you're going to pay an extra 5 to 13%. So now you're looking at selling this asset that you've Held for a long time or someone gave you in the gave it to you in the family, and you're looking at immediately losing 23.8% to as high as 37% in California mm. just from taxes. Wow. So I say, let's make that tax burden go away. And the best way to do it is to plan ahead of time. I hate it when I have consultations with clients and they say, Yeah, I heard you can help me with capital gains tax. And I say, absolutely. How much uh, is it, How much taxes are you paying? And they're like, it looks like it's, well, they say, I'm going to be paying taxes on however much. And I say, great, let's do some planning around that. And they say, well, I already sold it. I'm like, wait a minute. You already sold <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a lot harder to help you after the sale. So I always like to say, if we can plan prior mm-hmm. to the sale, we can either defer the taxes on that gain or sometimes even eliminate the taxes on that game game, but I need to work with them at least 30 days or more prior to the sale to make sure they don't, uh, they structure the sale appropriately. So I'll stop there. And if you want to dive in a little deeper or or go in another direction, we can, but that's really the key with long-term capital gains. It's just letting helping structuring the sale prior to the sale to essentially give you much more of an advantage with regard to that tax liability that comes with the sale.
0: I see. So what people need to hear is there are different ways of packaging a sale that are going to impact you or your business from a tax standpoint, either favorably or not.
1: That's right. And, And think about it this way. When you're looking at selling that highly appreciated asset, all the profit, you know, all the income generated—that's the amount that you receive above what your basis is—is mm-hmm. is going to get hit with that tax liability. And what I say is, prior to making the sale, if we adjust, because the key here, Diane, is we have to re- we have to take away assignment of income. When you sell that asset, and it's in the name, it, it's in your name, or it's in an, uh, the name of an LLC that you own. Essentially, as soon as you've sold that prop asset, or maybe even taken a binding letter of intent, or signed a purchase agreement, even though it hasn't been sold yet, you've signed a purchase agreement. You've officially taken assignment of income. So the, the federal government says, "Well, even though you haven't sold it, we know that you signed the purchase agreement. And your name is on it, and or the name of the LLC that you own is on it. So we know that you're you're on the hook for the taxes." What I say is, let's structure the sale. Let's move the asset out of your name or out of your LLC's name. And usually it's putting it into a specific trust. Hmm. So now when the asset is sold, the trust is selling the asset, not you. So you don't have an assignment of income in it. You don't have a tax bill. The trust does, but we can create a lot more flexibility within, depending on the type of trust and what we're working with for the tax liability if it's there. So now it's like, sell it in your name. You got to pay the taxes right out of the gate sell it in the name of a in, in the trust because you shifted the ownership into the trust but you completely control everything in there and it's your money and you control it it's just that now you have a better tax um, environment for that asset to be sold in and now you can be, essentially keep the delta right so if you had to pay a mm-hmm. 35% tax on it you know you're keeping 30% in your bucket and then now you can reinvest that money and reinvest it again and reinvest it again. And you're not paying taxes on it until you actually take it out and use it. Kind of like uh, a qualified account, right? The people's 401ks or IRAs. But the good news about this is there's not all the rules around it. I mean, there are rules, but not like, well, if you're not 59 and a half, then you have to take 10% penalty to touch this money. Or if you're 73, I don't care if you don't need the money, you have to take a minimum required distribution. Otherwise we're going to tax you heavily. All those rules go out the door. You have much more control over accessing that and, um, and taking dollars when you want to. But you can still continue, continue to defer, defer, defer all the gains or maybe even eliminate the gains depending on the
0: structure we're using. That's fascinating. Okay. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> almost makes my head hurt. Um, so <laughs> now talk to me. About getting the IRS to fund a portion of my retirement a hundred percent tax free. How do I do that?
1: That I love that question, that. Diane. So I can answer in a few different ways. You know, one way, one way would be any coupon that you use, right? Any coupon that I come in and say these are the three coupons that you could use, and you say, great, I want to use two of them, not the third, and we end up. Netting you, and I say netting like okay, you're saving a hundred thousand dollars in tax, but it's only costing you fifty thousand dollars to do it. So your net gain is fifty thousand dollars. Well, one way to just turn that into tax-free income is purchase you know municipal bonds with that, or bot- put it into life insurance, like cash value life insurance. So that way you you never pay taxes on it again, right? That would be one way to go about it. But the mm. other way is interesting. There is a there is a coupon that. um it's been really popular for the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and I'll tell you who has been popular, who's used it, that's loved using it. Um, Wells Fargo, Chase Bank, Bank of America, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, um, obviously Next- Air Energy, Tesla. It's called a tax credit that you get for purchasing solar. The federal government, the co- con- you know, House and Congress, Air House and Senate, they have want, they've put in the law. Particularly last year, they want the private sector to buy solar. And of course, they've been doing these, creating these laws for the tax credit, mostly for Jeff Bezos and Bank of America. But the good news is you don't have to be just be- Bezos or an owner of Wells Fargo to purchase solar and get the same benefit or better. So when we go into creating a kind of a pension for you with tax savings, purchase solar and I'll. You know, I'll go into it not too depthful because I don't want people to um, their eyes eyes to cross over. <laughs> you know, at least until we look at the. But really, what we're doing is saying you can actually purchase solar panels on a third party building. Particularly, it can be a church or a house of worship. It can be a YMCA, a museum, a private school. It might even be an apartment complex or a small grocery store. You're the one purchasing the solar on that on that building the building owner is happy that you're purchasing the solar on the top of that building because they're not paying a dime for it you are but they're immediately getting usually anywhere between 20 and 30 percent energy savings in the very first year and it gets better and better and better because they're signing an agreement that says whoever owns these panels we are going to pay them for our energy or as much of our energy as we can because we still have to pay the utility company something for the next 35 years we'll pay you for the energy why cuz it's going to cost us a lot less than paying the utility company. So that's a really interesting prospectus when you can buy a cash flow producing asset. Uh, and you can buy it with the federal government's money because the way that this works is when you purchase the solar between the tax credit and the depreciation that you can take on those panels, you can actually get a dollar and 40 cents of tax savings for the dollar of tax liability you put in so instead of sending the dollar to the tax man or woman and never seeing it again you can take that same dollar buy solar with it get a dollar and 40 cents of tax savings and up to 35 years of cash flow on top of it so I'll stop there because i mean it's, obviously i would need to get talk about the details in someone's yeah. specific situation but really what I'm saying is people love to buy real estate, right? They buy real estate for cash flow. Sure. Well, what if I what if I said, well, let's have the government buy your real estate. It's just not going to be a duplex. It's going to be solar on the top of uh, a grocery store in California. And you're going to get for every dollar you put into those panels, you're going to get a dollar and 40 cents of tax savings. You're also going to get cash flow for as long as you want to own the panels, up to 35 years. You don't have to own the panels for 35 years, but if it's kicking out cash flow for 35 years. You might want to hold on to them. That is a unique opportunity that we have. Ten more years, based on the Inflation Reduction Act that was signed into law last September, putting the tax credit at thirty percent minimum, all the way up to sixty percent, depending on the location and the type of solar panels that were installed. So that is a beautiful way to turn your tax liability into long-term income and let the uh, the wow. uh, the federal government pay for your cash flow producing asset. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they want to make the America a greener
0: place. And this is how they're doing uh, it. Do yeah. It. We're helping to do it. Yeah. yeah. So. Huh. Well, you have to incentivize people. That is for sure. So th- this is, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because just the couple of examples that you've given, and I really appreciate them. What it shows me is the creativity that is available you know that is out there because i think we're so used to feeling like the tax structure is very structured you know and very like we're in a box and and there's no real way out but i'm listening to this and thinking boy there's all sorts of creative ways to use it to our advantage
1: absolutely and and i I want to say something diana hopefully it doesn't um Rub anybody the wrong way, particularly <laughs> if they have a C-P and an A behind their name. Okay, um, <laughs> but you know your your CPA is generally going to be the most conservative uh, resource on your team.
0: Yeah,
1: and you, in most business owners or you know high income earning professionals. Um, rely on that CPA to help them with their tax liability, but CPAs do not have most of them don't do not have the bandwidth nor the desire to seek out these coupons and help their clients apply them. They just look at what was your expense line. What are the standard deductions that can be taken? What are the obvious expenses or deductions that you can take at the business level? If you, are you missing any of those? If you're not great, let's file your tax return. If you're making a lot of money, that's just good good work. That's just the pain that you have to endure for being very successful. That's generally what a CPA is going to say. Now, I'm not saying that's horrible. What I'm saying is it's not the case for high-income earners, particularly think about most of the Fortune 100 companies. If that's what was said by their tax professionals, then they would be fired. Okay, They say, no, we're going to be a lot less taxed and we need to find somebody that's going to help us. But again, CPAs are not geared to do this. So this is where when you're starting to make a lot of money, don't hold it against your CPA, just start building the team. And now the team can bring these ideas and ultimately help your CPA, you know, basically put them in place and show your CPA how to file for them because there's usually a little bit of additional filing work that needs to occur. And that's really where we go. So just know like that's always like to say that Think about your CPA as a general practitioner in medicine. Well, I wouldn't rely on my general practitioner in medicine to help me if I needed a, a, a tumor removed from my frontal lobe and I was about to die. Well, right. I, if that's the case, I go to a very specific neurosurgeon. I knew what they were doing. and I wouldn't rely on my general practitioner to tell me if they knew what the neurosurgeon, neurosurgeon was doing or not. I would, you know, so that's really what happens. The CPAs sometimes can get a little bit in the way. Um, but if they know that, again, a lot of times the reason for that is because they don't like audits and they don't want you to get into an audit. Nothing that I'm going to do is going to trigger an audit, but essentially that's the, you know, anything outside of the norm, usually they sure. think it's going to trigger an audit right. and the other side is, um, you know, they, I would say that, you know, they, Again, because they don't know outside of their scope, they don't want to apply outside of their scope. And usually if you go to like a Deloitte or a Price Waterhouse or some really, you know, you know, kind of consulting based group that does accounting and bookkeeping, tax filing too, well, they do it all. And your CPA is never going to want to refer you to them because then they'll lose their business. So the good news about what I do is I don't step on their toes. I don't, I don't do bookkeeping. I don't do tax preparation. I don't do tax filing. So when I'm bringing these coupons in with a business owner, I'm just helping them layer this in with their current CPA. And if their current CPA is very resistant and the business owner really likes what I'm saying, I'm saying, fine, I've got 25 CPAs that have been doing this for a number of years that would love to interview you. I would love to t- have your business. Not that I want you to leave your CPA. Right. I'd love to work with your CPA because sure. most of my business comes from CPAs or financial advisors and it's the CPAs that are like, Wow, where have you been for the last ten years? I've got a hundred clients that need your services and I'm not worried about losing my business because I'm referring them to you. That's the wonderful CPA introductions that I have. And then of course financial advisors, they don't have the they have so much compliance they can only offer whatever retail investment they have in front of them. Yeah. They can't offer anything else. So now they love it because I can help their highest income earning clients just have more money to invest with them. So most of the financial advisors and forward thinking CPAs that are not ultra conservative are going to refer business to me. And that's where I get the bulk of my business is from those referrals or people learning about me through like a podcast done with you and or some other thing that I'm doing that uh, helps the end customer find out that, hey, there's more that they can do than they probably know about.
0: So I I do have um, one other question, which is: Is is there like a a threshold below which these um, opportunities are not really opportunities? In other words, you know, does someone would you say someone has to be making above a certain number? And if so, what is that number?
1: Sure. Let's talk about regular income, particularly for a business owner, right? Because the business owner can control how they receive that income. Mm -hmm. I can help a business owner that can control their income, um, reduce their taxes. uh, If they're, even if they're only, well, I'd say not only, but let's just say they're making $150,000 or more of taxable income AGI. Once you hit $150,000 or more. And you're a business owner, and you can control how you receive that those dollars. I can help you. Anything under 150, probably not worth it. I mean, the the savings start to get pretty thin for the amount of effort put in. Okay. But now, so so 150 thousand more regular income taxable for business owner. Let's move to W two, right? The more the better, right? If they make a million dollars, it's a lot better because they have a lot of options. Yeah. W two earner less opportunity so they need to, if they're making a half a million dollars or more like right they have a salary plus a nice bonus and maybe they're getting RSUs like restricted stock units that they have to exercise every year and they're obviously getting hit on those taxes so a half a million dollars or more from an, a high income earning w2 i can help them um and and then of course we switch gears to capital gains if they're going to be paying 100,000 dollars or more in tax on their capital gain that's kind of the starting point right if they're looking at wow i'm going to pay over $100,000 in tax if i do nothing on this cap- on this selling this asset mm-hmm. so those are the starting points 150 of regular income as a business owner $500,000 or more of income as a as a w2 employee or executive and then uh, paying more than $100,000 of tax on their capital gain which is usually like 300, like $400,000 total
0: income on the sale or more, you know, depending on the state. Got it. Thank you uh, th- for that. And and for all of this information, I mean, it really is valuable. So, how do people find you?
1: They can go right to my website, peakprofitsolutions.com. Um, and again, that's just uh, peak as in mountain, you know, P E A K, profit solutions, peakprofit And I have case studies that they can click to receive. I have a little more information. And also I have a link to my calendar, which makes it super easy. They can literally just book a 20 minute appointment to say, Hey, I want to chat with you. I heard you on the podcast and I have this, this is my tax liability problem. I'd love for you to help me. And usually within the 20 minute conversation, I can identify whether or not I can and what coupons are available and then we can talk about um, running an analysis to see just how much um, money they'll get to keep if they implement, you know, coupon ABCDEFG. So that's the best way, I think. Is just to find me there and reach out,
0: and we go. We have a nice little conversation. Awesome! Wow. Well, Mark, again, thank you so much, and listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story,